Tom Panos, John McGrath here also with Troy Malcolm, Million Dollar Agent. We're back on there. How you going, Johnny? Good. Beginning of the week, isn't it? Early in the week. All the holidays behind us. Oh, no, we actually got another one this weekend. So we're, yes. we're stuck in the middle of holiday territory. But nonetheless, there are properties to be listed and sold this week. Absolutely. And I think uh, whilst Anzac Day is coming up, I think if someone's about to sell their house on Saturday, they're probably thinking, uh, I just want to get the best price. I'm hoping my agent's on track. Um, they're hoping that um, that they everything's gone perfectly. And John, I've got to tell you, at the moment, the way I see it, agents talking to us, this is the best real estate marketplace. I've been in real estate 24 years. I think this is the best marketplace in terms of buyer energy. If, I've, I've never seen it before. I spoke to Sebastian Bonacorso this morning. Sebastian said, I've never seen it like this ever in my life. And there's so much depth with buyers, which means half the buyers could disappear you'd still have what's going on. I think there's probably, and I, I have no statistics to back this up, but for, for people listening from Sydney or any of our Australian or New Zealand listeners, Sydney's probably the most exciting and strongest market in the world at the moment, residential real estate. I mean, I know a bit about what's happening in the other big cities, obviously London, Paris and the like, I've got some connections there, and the top end of those areas has been going well, the bottom end not so well. But across the board, we're probably in the best marketplace you'd want to be. Now, not just Sydney. I know Melbourne's been a great market and other parts of Australia are rapidly recovering. But, you know, if you're a Sydney sider out there, you know, you better be doing record months because this is the time to be making your, taking your benchmark to a whole new level. Yeah. Which is good. But on the holidays thing, Tom, I think it's important because a lot of people go a bit slow and, oh, you know, it's school holidays. We've got Anzac Day next week and we had Easter recently. Um, <coughs> I think it's important, and we've said this before around Christmas time, when you're on holiday, be on holiday. Mm. But when you're at work, be at work. Mm. So you know, I don't care if it's you know the eve before Anzac Day or, or, or Christmas or New Year's Eve, right up until the time that you check off, mm. you've got to be focused because you don't know the next phone call could be a listing, it could be a sale, could be an offer and acceptance that's, that's going to have a profound change to your next 30 days. Because we all know in real estate, it's a bit like a domino effect. You know, you list a good property and then you find a buyer, you meet seven buyers from that and three of them are also sellers and so on and so forth. So every phone call is it's critical. Yeah. Uh, it's funny, I was, I was doing a talk not that long ago to the, to the Rabbitohs and I was just saying, you know, you miss one tackle, that can change a season. Yeah. You miss one tackle, it changes a result, you lose two points, whatever happens and that can change the whole energy of a season. So it's a little bit like the same in real estate. You know, you miss a buyer inquiry, that could have been a buyer that was prepared to pay a record price yeah. for one of your top listings. Yeah. So it's, you know, if you're in the game, be in the game. And of course, when you take your family on holidays or if you're having a day off, turn your phone off. Rest, rest is as important yeah. as, uh, as work. Beautiful. John, one of the things that uh, I get asked a lot, and I know that you get asked a lot, I get asked by people to say, listen, can I line up an appointment where I uh, come in and see John and um, I just want to have a chit chat to him, a bit like a coaching type session, you know. And I think logistically, it's pretty impossible to have, you know, on a, a weekly basis, having lots of people come in for coaching sessions. Yeah. Um, so what I thought we'd do is do a backstage coaching session with John McGrath. What would it be like, you know, I want to give people a view that if I worked at your office as a sales agent and I was struggling and it came to your attention and one of your managers, you know, said, listen, um, uh, can you have a chat to this guy and just, you know, work out where he's at? I just want to get a rough idea of what the framework of that meeting would look like. What are the questions you'd be asking me? What are you trying to focus on? And how long would it take? And what would the fin session finish like? So, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Do you do those, by the way? 
I do a lot internally. Yeah. Uh, I don't do much externally, just as you've mentioned, because of time pressures. And some of the internals I do in small groups. Yeah. Some of them I still do one-on-one. I had Cindy Kennedy, one of our great yeah. agents. <laughs> Cindy came in last week, as I think you might know. She's just yeah, I know had well. little Isabel, yeah. um, her beautiful young nine-month-old babe. And so she's been off the real estate scene for a while. And she was a you know, very dominant agent in, in Balmain, Roselle, Lilyfield. And then, you know, she took a year or so off to have uh, Isabel, or, or not quite that much, but close. And she's back and she said, you know, I'm really worried, John, that the marketplace has forgotten me. You know, it's funny how yeah. even top agents with great mindsets, I know she won't mind me saying this, it's not confidential, but she said, you know, I'm just worried about that and, and I missed the listing last week and, you know, I'm just concerned. That... And I said, Cindy, I've just looked at your figures. I said, is it right that you've just exchanged seven properties in the last week? Yeah. And she said, yeah. And I said, so don't think it's time to stop this crazy noise of saying, you know, like the marketplace has forgotten me. You've sold, listed and sold seven properties in seven days. Yeah. But you know, a lot of high achievers, this is where coaching comes into it, e- even the highest achievers, they often have you know, noise and talk and, and, and you know, worries and stresses that actually shouldn't exist. So I said, Cindy, seven sales and seven listings later, the marketplace hasn't forgotten you. You're on fire, just go back there and, and list and sell another seven. <coughs> which she will. She, fun, well, she's that, John, that's interesting because in many ways that's a coach session in the sense of getting someone to look at the reality of a situation because sometimes um, there is, and I find that interesting because you see some top performers that have, they're doing good numbers but they still have a major discontent between the present and the future. They feel like they could be doing better. Um, which so, often is not real, Tom. Yeah. Like in Cindy's case, when you listen and sold seven properties, it's not real the marketplace has forgotten you. Absolutely not. But, I mean, but if it's in your head for the moment, yeah. that's what's there. So that's one of the big things. And we'll get to that in a minute. But my view on coaching and on real estate is 90% of the success is in your mind. It's not about the, the people up the road are over-quoting, are under-quoting fees, over-quoting prices. It's not about you know, marketing budgets. It's about what's in your mindset. So that's a, that's a big focus for me. So the first thing I do, <coughs> a couple of things. Um, I, I'll, I make the environment's important. So you've got to do it somewhere where you're not distracted. So it's not with phones and computers and people walking in and out. You, you need to have a really a zone where they come in. And I, funny enough, I do it in this room a lot of the time, which is sort of my meeting room. They come in and, and you really get their headspace. Second thing is I, I really start with an open question of how things going, which sounds extremely generic and non-threatening, and it is both. But that will start drawing out things for me, because the first answer is great. Oh, everything's great. Yeah, that's what everyone says. We're all in sales, we're all pretty positive. And then I'll start digging, so you know, what's happening with the family, and you know, what's happening outside of work. So you kind of want to get to where people are in their psyche. And, and often people's issues in this industry are actually not in work, they're out of work. Right. You know, there could be some, you know, one of the family members is sick, there could be tension within their family. Um, they could have some financial issues, whatever. <coughs> but I've found over 30 years of, of coaching, most of the time, the issues are, are somewhere else. They're in your head, and they're often outside of work. So when you start asking about you know, what's happening out of work, it's not just chit-chat. It's actually to try and find out, is there any, any little warning signals I need to be aware of here? And some people are totally clean on that. You know when they answer, family's great, my health's great, my family's fantastic, we had a fabulous holiday. And you can tell if it's all clean. Some people, you'll just tell. Now, they'll give you a story, but all of a sudden you'll know that there's, you know, there's not something there that's right. <coughs> Excuse me. So I think it, it very much starts around that. And then I then drill into the world of business, and I say, are we on track or off track with our plan? 
So we need to have a plan. So in a previous coaching session, we'll have agreed on a set of outcomes and KPIs, key performance indicators. Are they bringing anything to the meeting with them, John? Or are you, have you normally got a notepad and pen there? And, um, and do they bring anything to them? Are they expected to bring anything to the I, meeting? I would typically, yes, I, I've got writing stuff. I, um, I, like, I don't like to drill into too many numbers and too much data. So normally I get, we have a software system we've created that actually gives me a snapshot of what's happened the last three months or the last month, whatever period I choose, around their listings, their sales, and we've got a thing called KPIs, Key Performance Indicators. So that'll tell me what's their days on market, how many listings they're carrying, what's their average campaign, um, what's their auction clearance rate, all of those things, yeah. which are a bit like health check, a bit yeah. like you know heart pressure and, and blood pressure and so forth. <coughs> so. I usually scan those before, and yeah. it's pretty easy to see if they're out. I mean, if your clearance rate's at you know 60% in a market like this, you've got a problem because last yeah. week we did 95% under under two million, 95%. So if someone's at 60, that's that's something I'll probably drill into. Days on market, certainly in Sydney, in this kind of market, if it's anything above 20 or 30, there's a problem. So I can very quickly work out what are the issues, but I'll let them tell me. <coughs> so I'll say, so Tom, you know, are we on track or off track? Talk me through your business. I notice you've only got four listings. That seems like it's on the low end. You know, what's happening out there on the listing side? Are you prospecting? And that conversation usually leads me to gain some big clues around it. So I want to know prospect list sell. That's your three activities. Yeah. So talk me through how's the prospecting going? Yeah. What's happening in the listing marketplace? Yeah. Sales, marketing, negotiation. So I drill in a lot. How long does it take? It normally takes somewhere between 20 minutes and 60. Yeah. Probably 30, 30 to 40 is an average. Yeah. Um, if I know someone's clean energy, they're on track, their KPIs are good, or if I'm going to keep them there for 60 minutes, I'm wasting 40 minutes of their time. Right. Um, so I, I'll, I'll conclude that. But if I know there's someone that really needs time, I'd rather give them an hour and drill into it because that can unlock them. It's Who, a bit John, who's doing in that conversation, would you say it's a 50 50 type conversation? You're talking half the time? No, to be. 60 to 70 percent them, right? And me listening. I, it's a bit like at a listing appointment. I try and save my recommendations until I've heard enough from them to really get a good guide from where they're at. So I extract as much. I take a few notes. <coughs> I'm thinking in my mind as they're talking. What are the blockages? So it's a bit like at a listing. You've got to be fully focused, but you've also got to be working out because I know I'm not going to be able to then go away for a day and think about it all and then come back and have another meeting. I've really got to while I'm with them, be focused and working out what are their challenges, what are the kinks that I need to, you know, If you out. see, John, if you feel something that needs to be said and it's something that they might feel is uncomfortable, do you say it? And if you do say it, <coughs> do you say it direct or do you say it softly? My, uh, the answer's both. My team knows, certainly, if, if it's a first-time coaching, I will normally be clear to someone about my style of coaching which is I want to get as much information from you, then I'll be as direct as I can back to you because I think that saves time and gets us to the right outcome fastest. So some people are offended at directness, other people they find it's, it's something that they want. So most people say, look, I'm really good with direct feedback. So a lot of people call it tough love because um, I care enough about them to be direct and honest and tell the truth. Yeah. So <clears throat> if I'm, I'm on a regular coaching routine with someone, they know that already. They know that I'm very direct. Um, so yeah, I get straight to the point. Um, I try and simplify it. I think, as a, as a principal, as a coach, as an agent, 
It's taking the complex and making it simple. Okay, John, in all these years you've been having these coaching conversations, from your experience, if people know what needs to be done, let's assume it's not a skills issue. Let's assume it's a fact that these people have been to 100 list, 200 listing presentations, they've been working in the business for a number of years. When they're not doing well, have you been able to identify what are some of the issues? Yeah, the first, well, up? the first one is they'll cover and mask the issues with, with lies and exaggeration and excuses. So it's, I'm too busy to prospect. That's not right, Tom. You've got plenty of time to prospect. If you're doing two or three hours a week, that's probably enough. Why aren't you doing it? So you've, first of all, you've got to get rid of their reason for not doing these things to you get to the real reason. And when you hear the real reason, it just, bang, you, you hit it. Because right. eventually then they say, oh, well, you know, I've been off sick. And I say, you know, we had this conversation a month ago and you weren't off sick. So what's the real reason, Tom? Why are you insisting that you're not prepared to see you know uh, prospect so eventually they say um, usually I hate rejection and I say fantastic join the club I'm chairman I hate it as well <laughs> but it's a reality if you want to become successful you actually need to deal with it so let's talk about how we can deal with that so why do you hate rejection and then I say well you know it makes me feel less of a person I said well it doesn't have to you can have a hundred people say look your proposition right now doesn't fit me and you say thanks for giving me the time you move on and the hundred and first person could be your client that lists a million dollar home. So it's about reprogramming for yeah. them. Sometimes they say, well, I don't want to prospect because I don't want to annoy the customer. And I'm saying, you serious? If someone is in the marketplace, they're thinking of buying or selling, that's all they want to do is hear from an educated, respected agent that yeah. can help them achieve their goal. Yeah. So it's, it's reprogramming, it's shifting what we call shift the paradigm. And so I'll often find they have a mindset which actually is holding them back. So once I've got it, and, you know, fear of prospecting is really fear of rejection. Yeah. Fear of rejection is I don't feel good about myself, therefore I don't need anyone else to tell me, no, 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 reject me. Yeah. And I'm saying, don't delude yourself. If you want to be successful in this industry, you have to handle the word no. Yeah. You have to handle rejection. And otherwise, it's going to be a glass ceiling over your head forever. <coughs> so, so, John, it, John it, to me, it sounds um, uh, like someone's got a story and that story sometimes needs to be drilled down. I know you use the term peel the onion, yep. but you need to slowly, slowly get the real story they tell themselves. And what you're saying is when you can work with a real real story, the truth, not the bullshit, yep. that's where growth happens. That's when change happens. That's where breakthroughs happen. That's where breakthrough happens. So when I say to people about 2x in a year, some people think, God, you know, I've got no more hours to work and I, can I learn enough things in the next 12 months? to 2x. I'm saying, no, no, no. All you've got to do is decide what's holding you back is no longer going to hold you back. Mm. So if you decide that rejection, failure, fear of rejection is no longer going to be an issue to you, and you grasp the phone every morning knowing that every rejection, every no is one step closer to your next listing, to your next sale. Um, that's just fantastic. I had, a, I had a coffee with Brad Pillinger last week, who's a yeah. good friend of ours, as yeah. you know, and one of, the, one of the great agents in Australia, gone out on his own, in his own uh, company, and doing really great work. <coughs> and he's telling a story about his, his, his dad, who was also a great friend of mine and one of the legends of, of real estate. And he said his dad used to say to him when he's getting into real estate, uh, every morning, all you've got to do is very simple. You go in and you're focused on the biggest and the closest deal. And I thought, how simple. Yeah. So he said, what's the biggest listing what's, that you can get? 
and what's the closest? So, you know, who is closest to making a decision on an agent? That's the call you make. Yeah. What's the second biggest and the second closest? He said, when you've done that, you then go to what's the biggest sale yeah. and the closest. So what buyer is close to making an offer or is engaged? That's the next call I make. And he said, that was his dad's simple formula, biggest and closest listing, biggest and closest sale. And I thought, yeah. 32 years in real estate, that's one of the smartest things I have heard. And it's no, no wonder Brad's a great success. Yeah. Um, but you know, what a great thing. What's the biggest and closest deal? Pick up the phone and see what you can do to get that over the line. <coughs> so, uh, you know, uh, when you're coaching, you've got to get rid of the clutter, get rid of the noise, get rid of the, the fears. And they're all possible. I mean, you can, get, you can get rid of a fear in three seconds. Yeah. If you're prepared to say, okay, I'll give it a go that rejection is not going to kill me. Yeah. I'll pick up the phone as though I love rejection. I'll see what happens. You pick up the phone like you love rejection for an hour, all of a sudden, it's gone. So, so John, what you're basically saying is that person may have had that belief, which really was a lie. In the end, it's ended up being a lie that they've repeated over their head over and over and over again. They've given it legs. They've given it evidence and they've believed this lie. It's become their reality. And what you're saying is great coaching can drill down Correct. and awaken someone and say, have a look at the situation in reality. <laughs> and well, we said before, you're exactly right, Tom. It paralyzes people. Yeah. yeah. What Cindy said before is not real. Market yeah. buyer, how can it forget them when they've, she's done seven listings and sales in a week? Doesn't forget them. Um, rejection does not hurt you unless yeah. you let it hurt you. Yeah. You ring up someone and say, Tom, I'd really love to list your property. And they say, look, I'm sorry, I've just listed it with, with another company. You say, great, well, best of luck with that. And if it doesn't work out, I'd really love to. You know, in fact, I'll send you our magazine in the meantime so you can have a look at properties for when you sell. You might yeah. want to buy. And I'll keep in touch because I'd love to sell you something. Yeah. That's fine. That's like, and even if someone kind of aggressively rejects you, look, oh, I don't like your firm. I had a bad experience five years ago. You can turn that around. Yeah. Even if you neutralize it and you don't listen. You know, Tom, I'm really sorry to hear that. I know our principal would be devastated because we pride ourselves on integrity and service. Clearly, in your instance, that didn't happen for you five years ago. Um, if you would give us the opportunity to change your perception of us, I'd love the opportunity to work with you. And if not, I wish you well on your sale. Bang, all of a sudden, you're on to the next one. It hasn't hurt you. It hasn't pierced your skin. There's no you know, mortal wound there. And you move on. But you've got to get out of that mindset that failure, rejection, embarrassment, because they're all in your head. Okay, that's John, that's gold, because I can tell you in four and a half years that I've been doing these weekly video blogs, someone asked me about a month ago, what's the one quality you've seen out of the guys and girls? And it's their ability to handle rejection. And one of them summed it up about two years ago, and I can't remember who it was, but I remember thinking to myself, she's nailed it, when she said, when someone rejects you, it's less about you and more about them because yeah. you're speaking to them at a time where it's not right for them. So yeah. you don't internalize it. And I thought that was gold, you know? Yeah. Yeah, look, I agree. And it's the same, you know, a lot of people I say, why aren't you chasing that buyer up? And they say, well, you know, they're still thinking about it. And I'm, I'm, I don't want them to tell me they're not interested. They're my only buyer. I said, well, if they're not interested either, you can convince them to be interested because whatever they're interested about is not real. Yeah. They might say, well, I'm not interested, John, because I think it's overpriced. Great. If I could convince you this is fair market value, would you buy it? Well, yeah, I'd love to buy it, but it's, you're not going to convince me it's overpriced. Terrific. Can I come and pick you up? I want to show you three homes I've sold in the last seven days that will absolutely guarantee you to prove to you that this is fair market value. Yeah. I put them in the car, and they either at the end of those three properties believe me or they don't. Yeah. But it's, it's moving forward. Yeah. And if they're not going to buy it, I want to take them to something else and find them something else yeah. and not waste time.
So I think that's all a part of the coaching. It's sort of, it's an exciting dynamic. And I know there's some great coaches. I mean, people like Mike Sheagold and Josh Fegan, Pete Gilchrist, Claudio yeah. Encino Dr. now. Dr. Fred. Dr. Fred yeah. is the best on the planet. There's, there's, there's lot, <coughs> and, and John, even if um, there's plenty of coaches out there, a lot of the real estate people we've got work in real estate offices where the principal can act as a form of coach. You know, there's smaller Correct. businesses where there's five or six salespeople that work in there. Is there, um, and we do get a lot of principals that own businesses um, that listen to the podcast. Yes. I get questions coming in all the time, which we're going to go next week when we talk about, uh, we do a Q&A session, we'll talk about one of those questions. I was just trying to finish off here. What's the one best piece of advice you'd give to a principal that is coaching people What's the one tip that you've learned, you know, in these 25, 30 years mm. when you've been coaching that you'd like to impart to a principal that coaches their people? Yeah, good question. First thing is just do it. A lot of principals just don't coach. They sort of sit there and they wait till someone comes to them with a problem. So I would have a regular catch-up with my team. Um, and by the way, it's the agents that often want it and need it most are the top performers. One of the big blockages for principals is oh, Sally's doing a million dollars, she doesn't need or want coaching. We've found when we talk to the Ben Colliers of the world in our team, they're the guys that actually wanted as much or more than anyone else. So number one is just do it. Number two is just take some of these tips from today. Create an environment, just create a little process, start by getting an understanding of where are they in their life, where are they in their business. You need to track their numbers because they're like you know the weather report, they tell yeah. you where it's rainy and where it's sunny. Um, and then you need to sort of just drill in and just trust. I mean, principals that have got to this level in a competitive market have got talent. Even if they don't think they're good coaches, they're probably intuitive, quality people. So just having a conversation. Yeah. Even if you forget the fact that I'd love you to have a process and some KPIs to, to review, just sit down and say, Tom, just tell me what's happening. How are you going? How are you going with your listings and sales at the moment? Just having that conversation, yeah. some of the experience will draw out. Yeah. So I think the key thing is just get started. Okay, absolutely gold. And um, John, um, I think that just listening to podcasts, reading books and hanging out with good people is a form of coaching when you think about it because they're always changing your perspective. The right people, and that is the right podcasts and the right books, are changing your perspective to issues. Oh, um, I've often said, on the, I think we've even said on this podcast, Tom, um, my greatest mentors, most I've never met. I've listened to them, you know, Tim Ferriss yeah. of the world, Wayne Dyer, yeah. those sort of people, Dr. Fred, I've, you and I have had the great pleasure of bonding a great relationship with, but many of them, Steve Jobs, yeah. I've never met, but I, I know enough about their thinking because I've read and listened and watched enough. Yeah. So I think you're right, there, there is now no reason for anyone in this industry to not have the best training on the planet. I mean, you know, hopefully there's things like Eric they'll come to, but and your real estate gyms, but even irrespective of that, there's plenty of information out there. Just got to, you've got to do it. So, Beautiful. yeah, good session. I think this is an important one, coaching. So get into it. Uh, whether you're a coach or an agent, just get into it. Okay, gentlemen, have a good week, and we'll talk next week. Thanks. Tom.